Hello everyone, Wisteria here. Thank you for joining me. These are Filipino folk tales, but told in English. I'll do my best when I need to pronounce Filipino words to pronounce them properly. This is called The Tobacco of Haris A Boquet. Haris A Boquet? Harissa Bokwed, a legend of the volcano of Kan Laon. It is told generally in the western parts and eastern parts of Cebu. The volcano is still active, and smoke and steam rise from its crater. Long before the strange men came over the water from Spain, people lived there on the mountains of Can Laon, an old man who had great power over all things in the earth. He was called Harisabokwed, King of the Mountain. When he wished anything done, he had but to tap the ground three times and instantly a number of little men would spring from the earth to answer his call. They would obey his slightest wish. But as he was a kind old man and never told his dwarfs to do anything wrong, the people who lived near were not afraid. They planted tobacco on the mountainside and were happy and prosperous. The field stretched almost to the top of the mountain and the plants grew well. For every night, Haris Boquet would order his dwarfs to attend to them. And, though the tobacco was high up, it grew faster and better than that planted in the valley below. The people were very grateful to the old man and were willing to do anything for him, but he only asked them not to plant above a line he had ordered his little men to draw around the mountain near the top. He wished that place for himself and his dwarfs. All obeyed his wish, and no one planted over the line. It was a pretty sight to see the long rows of tobacco plants extending from the towns below far up to the line on the mountainside. One day, Harissa Boquet called the people together and told them that he was going away for a long time. He asked them again not to plant over the line and told them that if they disregarded this wish, he would carry all the tobacco away and permit no more to grow on the mountainside until he had smoked what he had taken. The people promised faithfully to obey him. Then he tapped on the ground, the earth opened, and he disappeared into the mountain. Many years passed, and Haris Bokwet did not come back. All wondered why he did not return, and at last decided that he would never do so. The whole mountainside was covered with tobacco. Many of the people looked with greedy eyes at the bare ground above the line, but as yet they were afraid to break their promise. At last one man planted in the forbidden ground, and as nothing happened, others did the same, until soon the mountain was entirely covered with the waving plants. The people were very happy, and soon forgot about Harisabokwed and their promise to him. But one day, while they were laughing and singing, the earth suddenly opened, and 
had his poquet sprang out before them. They were very much frightened and fled in terror down the mountainside. When they reached the foot and looked back, they saw a terrible sight. All the tobacco had disappeared, and instead of the thousands of plants that they had tended so carefully, nothing but the bare mountain could be seen. Then suddenly there was a fearful noise, and the whole mountain top flew high in the air, leaving an immense hole from which poured fire and smoke. The people fled and did not stop until they were far away. Harris Boquet had kept his word. Many years have come and gone, but the mountain is bare and the smoke still rolls out of the mountain top. Villagers have sprung up along the sides, but no tobacco is grown on the mountain. The people remember the tales of the former great crops and turn longing eyes to the heights above them, but they will have to wait. Harris Boquet is still smoking his tobacco. The End and that is Filipino folklore regarding the king of the mountain. Thank you for listening and many blessings. Hello everyone, welcome back to my channel and the Philippine folk tales. This is called The Light of the Fly. The firefly abounds everywhere in the islands. The king of the air was in terrible rage, for someone had stolen his ring, and everyone wondered whoever would dare to do such a terrible thing. He called all his subjects together and said, To him that shall find it, I'll give whatever he ask, and this bounty of mine shall last while his family live. Away went his good, loyal subjects to search, and no one remained but a fly. Be off, said the king. Go and join in the search. Would you slight such a ruler as I? Then up spoke the fly with his little wee voice. The ring is not stolen, he said. It stuck to your crown when you put it away, and now it's on top of your head. The king, in surprise, took the crown from his head, and there, sure enough, was a ring. No wonder you saw it with so many eyes. But what is your wish? said the king. Oh, king, said the fly, I work hard all the day, and I can never go out at night. I should like to go then and be gay with my friends. So all that I wish is a light. You shall have it at once, said the gratified king, and he fastened a light to the fly. Ooh, straight away returned to his home with the prize. That was worth more than money could buy. So now you can see him at night with his light. And from him this lesson may learn, to keep your eyes open and see the least thing, and fortune will come in its turn. The End I guess that's the story of the uh, fly becoming a firefly. Thence having the light. Thank you for listening to this folk tale and many blessings. Hello and welcome back to my channel and the Filipino folk tales. This one's called The Passing of Loku. 
The tale of Loku is applied to a large ugly lizard, which climbs to the rafters of houses and gives the peculiar cry that suggests its name. The lizard, although hideous, is harmless. It lives on centipedes. Its strange cry may be heard everywhere in the Philippine Islands. Hundreds of years ago, a very wicked king, named Loku, ruled the Philippines. He was cruel and unjust, and condemned to death all who refused to do his bidding. He had vast armies and made war on all until his name was feared everywhere. His power was very great. He conquered every nation and opposed him and that opposed him, and killed so many people that the god, viewing the slaughter from his throne above, sent an angel to order him to cease from warfare and to rule the land in peace. Loku was in his palace, planning an assault on his neighbours, when a soft light filled the chamber, and a beautiful angel appeared and delivered the mandate of the master. The cruel king paid no heed, but dismissed the holy messenger in scorn. Tell your master, said he, to deliver his message in person. I do not deal with messengers. I am Loku. All fear my name. I am the great Loku. Hardly had he spoken when the palace shook to its foundations and a mighty voice thundered. Is it thus thou slightest my word? Thou art Loku. All shall indeed know thy name. From every crevice thou shalt forever cry it in a form that suits thy ill nature. The courtiers alarmed by shock, rushed to the king's chambers. But Loku was nowhere to be found. The royal robes lay scattered on the floor, and the only living thing to be seen was an ugly lizard that blinked at them from among the plans on the table. They searched far and wide, but no trace of the king could be found. The courtiers divided the kingdom and ruled so wisely and well that there was peace for many years. As for Loku, you may still hear him fulfilling his punishment from crack and crevice, tree and shrub. He calls his name from dark till dawn. Loku, Loku, Loku. And he must cry it forever. The end. Yeah, I think there's a few stories regarding that lizard. I have heard the call of it. Um, it does sound like that, actually. It does sound like local. It does. It also sounds like cuckoo as well, but, yeah. It does have that sound to it, I guess. Thank you for listening and many blessings. <laughs>
The words are Kamusta Pari, Parikos, Tao. How are you, Father? Parikman. Pari means Padre or Priest. The people addressed the Parikos as Pari because of its white head, devoid of feathers, seems to resemble the shaven crowns of the friars and native priests. In a small wooden box that hangs on the wall sits a queer-looking bird that in words sounds his call from daybreak to twilight. His cry, he repeats, resting only whenever he drinks or eats. He never grows weary. Here, there he goes now. Kamusta pari? Parikos tao. And all the day long you can hear this strange cry. How are you, father? A parrot man I. He sits on his perch in his little white cap and pecks at your hand if the cage door you tap. Now give him some seeds. Hear him say with a bow. Kamusta pari, parikos tao. Poor little birdie, how hard it must be to sit there in prison and never be free. I'll give you a mango and teach you to say thank you and yes sir and also good day. You'll find English as easy as what you say now. Kamusta pari, parikos tao. I'll teach you good morning and how do you do? Oh, I am well, thank you. And how are you too? Polly is hungry, or oh, it's a fine day. These are much more, I am sure you could say. But now I must go, so say with your bow. Kamustapari, parigos, tao. The end. And that's a quaint little story, folk, folk tale, I should say from the Philippines. So interesting to hear um, folk tales from different places. I do love it. Thank you for listening and many blessings. Hello everyone, welcome back to my channel. Wisteria here. We're still on, obviously, Filipino folklore, but it's told in English. Though, the stories themselves, it does state they are Visayan stories. So I do think the titles are in Visayan. This is called Kui and the Onglok. This story is known generally in the Southern Islands. The Onglok is feared by the children, just as some little boys and girls fear the bogeyman. The tale is a favourite one among the children, and they believe firmly in the fate of Kiu or Kui Koi. Little Kui Koi's name was Francisco, but everyone called him Kui Koi, which in Visayan is the pet name for, for Francisco. He was a good little boy and helped his mother grind the corn, pound the rice in a big wooden bowl. But one night he was very careless. While playing in the corner with the cat, he upset the jar of Louis Lana, 
and all the oil ran down between the bamboo strips in the floor and was lost. There was none left to put in the glass and light, so the whole family had to go to bed in dark. Kwekoi's mother was angry. She whipped him with her chinella and then opened the window and cried, On glock of the mountains, fly in through the door, catch Kwekoi and eat him, he is mine no more. Kwekoi was badly frightened when he heard this, for the Onglok is a big man with terrible long teeth. Ooh, all night goes searching for bad boys and girls, that he may change them into little cocoanuts, and put them on a shelf in his rock house in the mountains to eat when he is hungry. So when Kwekoi went to his bed in the corner, he pulled the matting over his head and was so afraid that he did not go to sleep for a long time. The next morning he rose very early and went down to the spring where the boys get the water to put in the bamboo poles and carry home. Some boys were already there and he told them what had taken place the night before. They were all sorry that his mother had called the Onglok, but they told him not to be afraid for they would tell him how he could be forever safe from this terrible man. It was very easy. All he had to do was to go at dusk to the Cocoanut Grove by the river and dig holes under two trees. Then he was to climb a tree, get the Cocoanut that grew the highest, and, after taking off the husk and punching in one of the little eyes, whisper inside, Onglock of the Mountains. Onglock, ugly man, I am a little cocoanut. Catch me, if you can. Then he was to cut the cocoanut in two halves. Quickly hurry and bury one piece in one of the holes and, running to the other tree, bury the remaining half in the other hole. After that he might walk home safely, being sure not to run, for the onglock has always to obey the call of the cocoanut and must hunt through the grove to find the one that called him. Should he cross the line between the holes, the buried pieces would fly out of the holes, snap together on him, and, flying up the tree from which they came, would keep him prisoner for a hundred years. Kwekoi was happy to think that he could capture the Onglok, and resolved to go that very night. He wanted some of the boys to go with him, but they said he must go alone, or the charm would be broken. They also told him to be careful himself not to cross the line between the holes, or he would be caught, easily. So, Kwekoi went home and kept very quiet all day. His mother was sorry she had frightened him the night before, and was going to tell him not to be afraid. But when she thought of the little bit lana spilled on the ground, she resolved to punish him more by saying nothing to him. Just at dark, when no one was looking, Kwekoi took his father's bolo and quietly slipped away to the grove down by the river. He was not afraid of ladrones, but he needed the bolo because it is not easy to open a cocoanut, and it takes some time, even with the bolo, to get the husk chopped from the fruit. Kwekoi felt a little frightened when he saw the big trees around him. 
The wind made strange noises in the branches high above him, and all the trees seemed to be leaning over and trying to speak to him. He felt somewhat sorry that he had come, but when he thought of the Anglock, he mustered up courage and went on until he found an open space between two high trees. He stopped here and dug a hole under each of the trees. Then he put his feet in the notches and climbed one of the trees. It was hard work, for the notches were far apart, but at last he reached the branches and climbed to the top. The wind rocked the tree and made him dizzy, but he reached the highest cocoa nut, threw it on the ground, and then started down the tree. It was easy to come down, though he went too fast and slipped and slid some distance, skinning his arms and legs. He did not mind that, however, for he knew he had the cocoa nut that would capture the unglock. He picked it up, chopped off the husk, punched in one of the little eyes and whispered inside. Onglock of the mountains, Onglock, ugly man, I'm a little cocoa nut, catch me if you can. He then chopped it in halves and buried one piece and, running to the other tree, buried the remaining piece. Just as he finished, he thought he heard a noise in the grove, and instead of walking, he started to run as fast as he could. It was very dark now, and the noise grew louder and made him run faster and faster, until suddenly a dreadful scream sounded directly in front of him, and a terrible thing with fiery eyes came flying at him. He turned in terror and ran back towards the trees. He knew it was the Onglock answering the call of the Cocoa Nut, and he ran like mad. But the monster had seen him and flew after him, screaming with rage. Faster and faster he ran, but nearer and nearer sounded the frightful screams until... Just as he felt two huge claws, claws on his neck, there was a bump, a loud snap, and he felt himself being carried high into the air. When the shock was over, he found that he was squeezed tightly between two hard walls, and he could hear the onglock screaming and tearing the outside with his claws. Then he knew what had happened. He had crossed the line between the buried pieces, they had snapped on him and carried him up the tree from which they came. He was badly squeezed, but he felt safe from the Onglock, who finally went away in disappointment. For although he likes cocoa nuts, he cannot take one from a tree, but must change a boy or girl into the fruit if he wishes to eat of it. Kuikoi waited a long, long time, and then knocked on the shell in hope that someone would hear him. All that night and the next day and the next he knocked and cried and knocked, but saw people passed under the tree and found the bolo. He was so high up they did not hear him. Days and weeks went by and the people wondered that what had become of Kwekoi. Many thought he had run away and were sorry for his poor mother, who grieved very much to think she had terrified him by calling the Onglock. Of course the boys who had sent him to the grove could have told something of his whereabouts, but they were frightened and said nothing, so no one ever heard of poor little Kwekoi again. If you pass the Kokoanut Grove at night, you can hear a noise like someone knocking. The older people say the Kokoanuts grow so closely together high up in the branches that the wind, when it shakes the trees, bumps them together. But the children know better. They say Kwekoi is knocking to get out. But he must stay there now 
for a whole hundred years. And that's the end of Kui and the Onglock, a Filipino folktale. Um, we don't really have one like that in the UK, I'll be honest. Um, maybe we have some similar, but definitely that's very different from the UK. Very interesting story indeed. Thank you for listening and many blessings. Hello everyone, welcome back to my channel, Wisteria here. This folktale from the Philippines is called Manguita and Larina. This is a tale told in the Lake District of Luzon. At times of rain or in the winter, the waters of the Laguna de Bain rise and detach from the banks a peculiar vegetation that resembles lettuce. These plants, which float for months down the Pasig River, gave rise, no doubt, to the story. Many years ago, there lived on the banks of the Laguna de Bain a poor fisherman whose wife had died, leaving him two beautiful daughters named Mangita and Larina. Mangita had hair as black as night and dark skin. She was good and she was beautiful and was loved by all of her, all of her people for her kindness. She helped her father mend the nets and make the torches to fish with that night and a bright smile lit up the little Nipa houses like a ray of sunshine. Larina was fair and had long golden hair, of which she was very proud. She was different from her sister. She never helped with the work, but spent the day combing her hair and catching butterflies. She would catch a pretty butterfly, cruelly stick a pin through it, and fasten it in her hair. Then she would go down to the lake to see a reflection in the clear water and would laugh to see the poor butterfly struggling in pain. The people disliked her for the cruelty, but they loved Mangita very much. This made Larina jealous, and the more Mangita was loved, the more her sister thought evil of her. One day a poor old woman came to the Nipa house and begged for a little rice to put in her bowl. Mangita was mending a net and Larina was combing her hair in the doorway. When Larina saw the old woman, she spoke mockingly to her and gave her a push that made her fall and cut her head on a sharp rock. But Mangita sprang to help her, washed the blood away from her head and filled her bowl with rice from the jar in the kitchen. The poor woman thanked her and promised never to forget her kindness, but to her sister she spoke not a word. Larina did not care, however, but laughed at her and mocked her as she painfully made her way again down the road. When she had gone, Mangita took Lorena to task for a cruel treatment of a stranger. But instead of doing any good, it only caused Larena to hate her sister all the more. 
Some time afterwards, the poor fisherman died. He had gone to the big city, down to the river to sell his fish, and had been attacked with a terrible sickness that was raging there. The girls, they were alone now, in the whole world. Manjita carved pretty shells and earned enough money to buy food. But, though she begged Larina to try and help, her sister would only be idle all the time. The terrible sickness now swept everywhere, and poor Manjita too fell ill. She asked Lorena to nurse her, but the latter was jealous of her and would not do anything to ease her pain. Manjita grew worse and worse, but finally, when it seemed as if she would soon die, the door opened and the old woman, to whom she had been so kind, came into the room. She had a bag of seeds in her hand, and taking one she gave it to Manjita who soon showed signs of being better, but was so weak that she could not give thanks. The old woman then gave the bag to Larina and told her to give a seed to her sister every hour until she returned. She then went away and left the girls alone. Larina watched her sister but did not give her a single seed. Instead, she hid them in her own long hair and paid no attention to Manjita's moans of pain. The poor girl's cries grew weaker and weaker, but not a seed would her cruel sister give her. In fact, Larina was so jealous, she wished her sister to die. When at last the old woman returned, poor Manjita was at the point of death. The visitor bent over the sick girl and asked her sister if she had given Manjita the seeds. Larina showed her the empty bag and said she had given them as directed. The old woman searched the house, but of course could not find the seeds. She then asked Lorena again if she had given them to Manjita. Again the cruel girl said that she had done so. Suddenly the room was filled with a blinding light, and when Lorena could see once more, in place of the old woman stood a beautiful fairy, holding the now well Manjita in her arms. She pointed to Lorena and said, I am the poor woman who asked for ice. I wish to know your hearts. You were cruel, and Manjita was kind. So she shall live with me in my island home in the lake. As for you, because you tried to do evil to your good sister, you shall sit at the bottom of the lake forever, combing out the seeds you have hidden in your hair. Then she clapped her hands, and a number of elves appeared, and carried the struggling, struggling Larina away. Come, said the fairy to Manjita, and she carried her to her beautiful home, where she lives in peace and happiness. As for Larina, she sits at the bottom of the lake and combs her hair, and she combs a seed out. Another comes in, and every seed that is combed out becomes a green plant that floats out of the lake and down the sea, and to this day people can see them and know that Larina is being punished for her wickedness. The end. And that is the folk tale of the two, sis two sisters, Manjita and Larina. It's a beautiful tale. Good lesson as well. Thank you for listening and many blessings.